having that respect for, for life and who we are and our lives in Christ. When we take a look at uh, life, it's such a precious gift. Uh, it makes me, you know, think about being alive in Christ. And as we go to Ephesians uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it kind of gives us an idea of uh, Paul when he's writing to the the Ephesians in the church of Ephesus there. Paul loved this church. Uh, this church is actually, uh, he sent this letter uh, to, to strengthen and encourage the church. Now, Paul sent a lot of letters, and some of the letters he would send to straighten a church out, to fix things in the church, to uh, say, hey, guys, you know, you're, you're on the track, but you need this and this. The letter to the Ephesians, really, Paul was excited for that church. He uh, sent this letter to, uh, like I said, strengthen it, encourage the church. And let's just dive in a little bit here and kind of dissect it as we move through. Because as we get to the end of tonight, my goal, hopefully, is for you to take a look at your life in Christ and then how you can maybe transfer that life to someone else. Because I do believe that that is priceless right there. Uh, just as I took the time for that silly little fly, think about God's patience in our life, and we could be that fly. I was thinking about naming the title uh, to, to tonight's message, It's a Bug's Life, but that's already been taken, so I'll leave that alone. Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Paul's talking about he just got he just got done uh, opening up this letter and talking about the spiritual blessings in Christ with the Ephesians. He 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 was thankful for the Ephesians. He's uh, praying for the Ephesians. He le- he's letting them know that. And and when he starts here uh, in in Ephesians two chapter uh, chapter two verse one, he says, "As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins." This comes really well on the heels of. Of, of Memorial Day where we just came off of. If you were here Sunday, we talked about, uh, you know, remembering um, God's love for us. And when we take a look at what Paul's saying to the Ephesians right here, he's, he's reminding them of who they were before they were in Christ. I think that's always a good thing that we can take a look at is to, to be reminded of who we were before we were in Christ. And as he mentions this, he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead... Uh, to, to, to God, you were not, you were alive, but you were not truly living. And he says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And we know how easy that can be in today's world to get caught up into the world and forget what God has done in our life. Forget that we are alive in Christ and that we're called to a different higher purpose. Whatever that looks like for you, it could be different for each and every one of us, but we are called to be different. Sometimes that's not fun. Sometimes that can mean maybe not going to certain places or hanging out with certain people. Uh, Paul is reminding them here that, um, you know, when you follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who who are disobedient. And I've taken some notes in here to remind myself that when he's talking about the ruler of the kingdom of the air, uh, back in, in that time, they, they believed that, that uh, Satan and his demons were actually, you know, between the earth and the heavens. And yeah, I, I believe that even today that we are caught up into a spiritual warfare. I do believe that if you could rip open the veil between here and the heavens, you may see you know, warfare going on. Uh, it, it talks about that in, in Scripture, in Bible, how, how God's angels, how God's uh, are fight. There, there's a war going on. For what? For who? For us. Uh, for us. And, and he's mentioning them, and he's calling them out on that to say, 
remember that this is spiritual warfare. That when you used to be the ways of the world and under the rule of the prince of the kingdom of the air, if you will, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient, those who are are, are living a life outside of Christ. Again, these, this is early time in the church. The, the message is new. The message is, is, uh, uh, is convicting to those, right? And some of the Jews who had actually gone uh, to, to the, the way um, or you know, to the Christians, um, they are being persecuted. And uh, sometimes it was easy for them to fall back into their old ways. And Paul's encouraging them in Ephesus to not go back to those ways, um, He says in verse 3, All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. And and I think uh, even, (laughs) I think some people may take a look at uh, at pastors, at those church leaders, um, and really put too much, uh, what's the word, put too much um, trust and maybe some of them to think and or maybe exalt them to a position that they're not. I, I've, I've learned early on in, in my life, in my walk with Christ, that I am oh, I'm a sinner, just like the rest of us, right? Um, that there is no man save one that was ever perfect. And I think that Paul is reminding them right here that they need to be careful of their sinful nature that is very obvious. And, and I like what Paul does that because he was the master at communication. When he was with a certain crowd, he knew their background. He knew their pain points, if you will. He knew how to get to them. He knew how to communicate to them. And Paul is really, really good at that. And he's, and he's talking about be careful with the cravings of your sinful nature and to follow its desires and thoughts. And he goes in to say, like the rest, you were objects, you were by nature objects of wrath and and in here it talks about those um those objects being those that actually refuse the message of christ who refuse to uh receive uh, the teachings of christ and what he did uh, those are the objects of wrath and when you think about the word wrath it's not a good word if that's something that you get um it's not going to be something that you find in your Christmas presents under your Christmas tree. You open it up and it's, oh, I got wrath. It's not a good thing to have. And Paul is reminding them of our, tr- of our true nature and, and what we were. And I like it when he does that because he kind of sets it up to say, hey, this, is, this was you, but, I love that word but, he throws the but in there. But because, and now he turns it around, of his great love, it says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. And, and there is so much here that we could spend a lot of time in just uh, these 10 verses. Um, and I know Pastor Jeff could probably spend a couple of months there if you, if you really let him, because it's really rich. And so as we go through this, you may want to spend some quiet time later on and study over through this uh, chapter, uh, through this, uh, these verses right here, 1 through 10. Uh, because when it talks about God who being rich in mercy, and I know that that is a, a, a great word. It's a good word if you've got it, if you're getting it, if, if God is giving it to you. Because if we understand the true nature of mercy, it's, it's not getting, you know, what we deserve. 
And if you go right above that, in that chapter there, it talks about how we were objects of wrath. We are not going to get what we deserve by our true sinful nature, and that was the wrath of God. Thank God and praise God for that. But as we think about what we're studying here tonight, I think our goal is to make that personal within each and every one of ourselves to see how we can maybe affect a change in someone else. And and while we do that, maybe you can think of someone that you may know of that maybe could use a, a finger in the pool and maybe a lift up out of the pool, right? Because no one wants to be an object of wrath. But because of His great love, God, who is rich in mercy, giving us uh, what we don't deserve, He made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. And that doesn't make sense to some people. I was doing a study recently, and, and, it, was, and, and it really came to mind in my heart about that we're kind of the walking dead, a dead man walking. Um, really, when you take a look at it, uh, shared, shared some stories and, and with people that I work with, and, and I see a lot of those people, um, the walking dead, if you will. And do you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you see them? Hopefully you're not one of them. But the, the walking dead would typically be the person who is a, an object of wrath, who maybe not at all considering who God is, not in Christ, living that life to fulfill their own desires and the life that is all about me. I've been there. I've lived that life. Um, it's a season. It doesn't end. And I think that we're here and called to do something great for God and for those people, for the walking dead. Um, God is, by His rich mercy, made us alive in Christ. Uh, and then He goes on to say at the end of verse 5, it is by grace you have been saved. One of, the, one of the catchphrases of the Bible, catch verses of the Bible, right? One of the most recognizable ones. For it is grace, uh, it is by grace that you have been saved. And again, grace, getting what we don't deserve. So grace is getting something we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. I love those two words because right there in the middle of those two words, you can see God. He's all over in it. That is one of the true characteristics of who He is. That grace and mercy. By His grace, you have been saved. And it goes on to say, verse 6, and, and God raised us up with Christ. I'm, I'm so touched by that. It, it really does mean a lot to me because when you take a look at the true nature of Christ and how He was raised up, it can be a, a, a bittersweet thing. Again, because when Christ was raised up, what do we see when he was raised up? People say he was exalted. Yes, that he ascended to heaven. Yes, he was raised up. But he was also raised up on the cross. Right? He was also raised up on the cross for all to see. And that's when he paid the price for our sins so that we don't have to suffer the wrath. We are raised up with Christ and seated with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God did that. Uh, one of the, that's got to be one of the best things to think about is, is, the, is what God did through His Son Jesus and how He actually did that. Uh, a lot of people wonder, hey, you know, yeah, okay, He's born of a virgin. He did some great things. The, who Christ is is debatable throughout the whole world because we know that that's 
what the world thinks about Christ. Some of them don't believe in Christ at all. Uh, what Christ did for us, you think about that great love that God had for us in, in the way He did that so that He put Himself in flesh to be with us, to teach us, to show us, to suffer with us, to cry with us, to laugh with us. Uh, I can only imagine what it would have been like to hang out with Jesus, right? Because it talks about so many cool things he did. Could you mind standing there watching some of that stuff? You know, I'd like, I'd really like to see, God, if you could change one thing about the Bible, show us some funny stuff Jesus did. Because I'm sure it wasn't all, he gave us the right stuff. Keep in mind, I'm not, I'm not saying he got it wrong. I'm just saying by sure, I'd love to see some of the fun stuff he did, some of the cool stuff, because I'm sure he did. raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Again, it shows us here the incomparable riches of God's grace. When we think of incomparable riches, I do, and I don't know about you, but I automatically think about coin, about the money. Right? Incomparable riches. Woohoo! No more mortgage. I mean, if you, if, you, if, if you have a mortgage, that sounds pretty good. No more mortgage, right? Think about God's incomparable riches. Think about his, the incomparable riches of His grace. How much grace He has. You think, oh, shoot, I better get on the grace train before it runs out. Because there not, might not be any grace left for me. If... If, if you could think about the universe and how big the universe is. I mean, really. I mean, you look at, at Earth, and then you look at Earth in comparison to the moon and then the sun. And then as you pull back, you see the, the, the Milky Way th- that we're in. And then you pull back and you see that that Milky Way that we're in is part of a really big conglomeration of, of other stars of other galaxies. And when you can pull back far enough, I saw this today on, on, on uh, uh, Francis Chan did that. If you get a chance, take a look at his YouTube channel. He pulled all the way back, and then you could see the whole, the whole mass of, of constellations and galaxies all huddled up into one, and to think that it even goes beyond that, and that's how big God is, is bigger than that. Amazing to think about it. When you put that in to retrospect into concept of of His grace and how much grace and mercy He has for each and every one of us, it's amazing to think that some people will say, I am too screwed up for God. (laughs) Paul's reminding the Ephesians right here. Be careful. You know who you were. You know where you came from. In God's incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus through Christ Jesus. Those are three of my favorite words, through Christ Jesus. The incomparable riches. He does not run out of grace and mercy. That's what's cool about God. We can't forget that, guys. He has so much grace and so much mercy that He will never run out of it. That, for me as a sinner, is a breath of fresh air. That, for me as a sinner, is a thank you, God, hallelujah, amen. That for me, as someone who needs a God that will love me because of 
anything that I've done in my past, everything that I'll do in my future, in my current state, knowing my thoughts, knowing our thoughts, knowing who we are truly, what our heart desires, and He still loves us anyway. Sometimes when you think about that, it drops me to my knees. I hope it does you sometimes. Wow. I can't wait to meet Paul, by the way. <laughs> it's probably a line. You have to take a number to meet Paul in heaven. Yeah, he's probably like too busy. Like, oh my goodness. The incomparable riches of His grace, end of verse 7, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It says, and here's where I did a lot of underlining, a lot of work here. When you start in verse 8, uh, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And not this from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Meat, right there. Big meat. Thick meat. Uh, my wife and I just recently celebrated our 21st anniversary, and we went to a steakhouse, and, and this steak that she ordered, it was taller than it was around. Thick meat. I mean, it was great. You know, you get a good piece of steak, pay a lot for it. Good piece of steak. It was, that's what this is right here. This is meat. This is, this is serious stuff to chew on right here because it is by grace you have been saved through faith. There's a lot, well, at least I know the system that I came from when I was born and raised would tell you differently that when we get into it right here that yes, you're saved through faith and then there's a but or an and or a plus. You've got to have your faith, yes, but you've got to also do this. You've got to act that way. You've got to say those things. You've got to do something. So, in other words, for me, when I see that, it's like, okay, God did this for us, but it wasn't enough. What? God did this for us. He died for us, and, and we're saved, but we have to do something on our end to earn it. Whoa, back up. Where does it say that? Well, you will see texts out there that people will write to say that that's true. Why? Because, again, like I referenced earlier, I think it's about man. We have to be very careful about that. Because if it's not about God, we can get caught up in about us. And we set out a system, twist a couple words in the Bible, and when it says right here, for His grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast and say, look what I did. The Pharisees and Sadducees did that. They like to parade around in their colors, in their purples, and their linens, and their fine cloths. 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 They didn't have cloths. Fine cloths. Right? And people would look at them and go, wow, you are a religious man. You know, I, I just want to be around you and follow you because look at you. You must be really religious. I don't, I, I've got a potato bag on and you've got that. We've got to be careful to understand that it is a gift of God. When you get a gift, someone gives you a gift, did, it's a gift, Right? If, if anybody gives you a gift and stands there and, and waits for something back in return, they're probably not a good friend. I might try that one time just to see what happens. Okay, I gave you a gift. Now what are you going to give me? Think about that. I gave you a gift. Now, since I did that, you give me something back. That's what I think religion would say that God wants from us. When in reality, a gift is a gift. A gift is a gift. And this is what God says. It, see, 
Our salvation is through faith in what? In who? In Jesus Christ. For what? Because what he did, because God loves us. He wants us back. What does he want from us? He gives us, us the free gift of salvation when we come to Jesus Christ in faith. It's not faith plus. And I think he's reminding the Ephesians that. Because again, it's an early time in the church. And there's a lot of different philosophies going around. Circumcised, uncircumcised. Were you baptized? All this stuff. For we are are God's workmanship, verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to get electrocuted around here. I know it. I'm going to be careful. There's another one right there, and I've underlined it. If you're an underliner, just go ahead and start at verse 8 and go all the way through 10. I'm going to tell you right there, just go through 8 and 10 and underline it. And then when you get to the, uh, close to the middle of verse 10, uh, when it says, do good works, double underline that or star it, asterisk it, put a Dallas Cowboy star by it so it makes it important and special. Notate that right there. To do good works. Because there are a lot of people that will tell you that that is something that you need to do to earn your salvation or to earn your standing. I'm here to tell you that guess what? I think it's different. I believe it. I believe the Bible teaches it. I believe that that's philosophy of this church as well, that, that we do not earn our salvation through good works, but that the, what I've, writ, I've writ, wrote, written, written, written in my Bible, it says faith is not the root of salvation. It's the fruit of salvation. If you've ever heard that before, you might understand uh, what it's talking about here. It's not the, the root of your salvation. The root of our salvation is Jesus Christ. If it ain't Jesus Christ, we got a problem. If the root of our salvation is ourselves, a religious system, another man that we're relying on, that will all fail you. The Bible talks about it, it will be burned up like chaff. Our, the fruit of our salvation, that's, that's our... When, when we're saved, when we understand that relationship, that God has come into our lives, that, is, that, it, that we didn't pay for that gift, that we received it and accepted it, and that that gift is the most wonderful gift that you could ever have. It's like Christmas every day. The Bible says that we were created to do good works. What are those good works? What do those good works look like? And here we go back to, I think, when I think about that in my root of, of, of growing, up, growing up in a religious system, it tells me that i got to work for it and earn it. And guess what? Who wants to do that? Not a lot of people want to do it. Because then you're just like, oh, I'm too busy. i got to what? i got to do this. i got to do church stuff. i got to do that. But what do good works look like, really, honestly, uh, for you? I know that it's going to be different. And so let me give you a couple of examples uh, maybe from my life of what it looks like for me and then maybe what it could look, look like for you. Because when I think about it, for me, it's at work. Um, read a book, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Anybody ever read that one? Really good read. Case for Christ. And I read the student version, which I guess is going to be a little uh, watered down or maybe tailored, obviously, to the students. And I really like that. Because it's like double spaced and it's really easy and it's quick and that's how I read stuff. Uh, I had that on my desk and I was finished with it and I just sat it there. I, I was done. I, maybe that's what it looks like for you. Maybe just have something there 
because the gal that sits next to me, who is, is like me in her late experienced 30s, right, was telling me the other day about three or four weeks ago, she says, my life's unraveling. I'm regressing. And, you know, she comes in late, and you know that she talks about being out the night before partying, and she's my age, and, and I can just see it. I see it. It's right there. It's right there. And instead of me just saying, hey, you need Jesus. Whew, that's like a repellent. That is like a repellent. You got it. Jesus. She looked at that book and said, what you reading? Oh, this, this thing I picked up. She said, let me check it out. I just gave it to her and didn't say a word. I said, really? Wow, this, this looks kind of cool. I said, yeah, it's a great book. I just got done reading it. You can read it if you want, but I got to have it back. If you're going to keep it, then let me know because I ain't going to give it to you. And she said, no, no, no. She went online and ordered the book and had it sent to her house. What does it look like for you? <laughs> One day if she's in heaven because of that, how easy was that? When I could have said, you got to have Jesus. Woo! Blew her out of the water, gone. Or maybe it could be about a situation I learned about today with one of my other co-workers. A guy who looks to be about my age, again, um, er, um, early, late, experienced, 40-ish something. I just learned from another co-worker that about seven or eight years ago, he lost uh, about a, a seven, I don't know the details yet, about a seven-year-old boy uh, to pneumonia. I guess it got him and, and um, it killed him. And I don't know this guy, but I've seen him. And I guess... From that, his life got wrecked. He divorced his wife, and he's not doing well. And seven years later, he's still struggling with that. Do you think that that conversation happened with me today for a reason? Yeah. Why? Because I can relate. Do you think I'm going to be talking to him this week? Just by some happenstance that I just go by his desk and say something nice and start a conversation and, and allow God to do the work there? Yeah. Am I going to say, man... I know what you're going through. I've been through, done it. You need Jesus or you're... No. What does it look like for you when we talk about Ephesians 2? Is it maybe inviting somebody to Sunday's potluck? Hey, free food, food, right? That's right. We got food on Sunday, right? Is that what it looks like? Because when we think about it, what are we called to do? What's your fruit? The fruit is working out your salvation, not working for it. You got it, and you want it, you like it, you love it. God's given it to you. It's a gift. We don't keep that gift. We keep spreading it around. Maybe it's inviting uh, some neighbor kids of your friends to VBS, our first VBS starting up Sunday, like we mentioned about at the opening here. Maybe that's what it's about. Just an invitation. Hey, you know what? Do you want a date night? I'll take your kids for a couple of hours. Or date day. You can go out during the day. It's going to be during the day. That's right. Maybe it's sharing a book that you've read and just having it at your desk at work or, or maybe saying, hey, man, I've read this cool book. And, and if they don't say anything, then, okay, it wasn't time. Or if they say, oh, yeah, what was it? I don't know. It's this is pretty cool. Maybe you might like it. Give them the title or maybe have it there and say, hey, you know, take it. Make sure you bring it back because if you don't, I won't give it to you. Something about that that people really want it. Weird. I don't care. I got plenty of them. I'll get more just want to get it in their hands. Or maybe the time is right in their life that they're ready to hear about Christ. 
And you'll know, because God will say, just tell him, just tell him about me. Because when I think about it, it is like, our life is like the pool that I was in, right? Some bugs lived, I couldn't save them all, some died. But I'll try when I'm out there. Sometimes, I, I know it's weird, but I'll be thinking, there's bugs out there dying right now. And I'm in here watching TV. How selfish is that of me? I could be out there saving. I got to cut it off somewhere. Our life is like that pool, and, and the bugs can be like us sometimes, right? And when you think about it, maybe Jesus wants to use us to lift one of them bugs out of the pool. If it's just one bug, is it worth it? Just one bug. And no matter how long it takes to be patient, and maybe you got to turn them upside down to entertain yourself to see if they still stay, it's worth it. It really is worth it. Because we got the gift. If you're in Christ, it's our job to give it. To give it. And however you do that, you'll know. There's no rule or rhyme to it. If you think about it, in some way, shape, or form, someone gave it to you. Someone gave it to me. It took a while. 36 years before I got it. And when I think about it, people have been trying to give it to me my whole life. But at 36, I finally got it. Praise God. Because at 36, you ask some younger kids, that's almost dead. You're 36? Wow. I'll never be 36. Let's pray. God, we just love you and thank you for bugs. Lord, it's a bug's life. And, and, and sometimes, uh, God, when we think about who you are again, as we mentioned in the opening prayer, you're so big and your grace and your mercy is so rich. It, it's overflowing, God. And you tell us in your word that you are at the ready to pour that on us. I pray that each and every one of us would receive that tonight. And, and Lord, that we would uh, allow that gift to overflow to others in whatever that looks like, God. I pray that we would be a church that, that has no rules and boundaries about how to share and who to share with. God, I believe that all our hearts are the same, made of the same stuff. We just look different on the outside. And so, God, tonight as we prepare to, to go our, our ways and go back into the work week, maybe, maybe someone here decides, I'm going to take a book and just put it on my desk and see what happens. Uh, maybe someone goes home and rescues bugs. I don't know, God, but whatever it is you do, and I know that you'll use it for your glory because tonight was ordained by you and we were to hear this message for whatever reason. And so, God, I, I thank you for allowing me uh, to share, I pray that you would have removed me and that your word has come through and all the glory to you, Jesus. We thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, have a good week. We'll see you here hopefully next Tuesday. And don't forget Sunday potluck. <laughs>